Welcome to episode seven of the Potentiation Podcast. I'm your host, Fran Kalinske. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, for tuning in, for joining me today. You guys know I love to start every episode off with a little bit of gratitude. Today's guest on episode seven is Dustin LaBelle. I picked Dustin for episode seven because he is a personal trainer who has been living his life for the past three years the way many of us have been living for the past five to six months. No, I don't mean he's been quarantined in his house for three years. I mean he's been working remotely and doing all of his business online as a personal trainer for the past couple of years. Now, he's been a personal trainer for a little over 15 years, so he's got some skin in the game. And I wanted to interview him because I thought he was so well-equipped for this new changing environment where everybody's working from home via Zoom call. We actually hopped on a Zoom call for this podcast, and we talk about what his business has been like, if it's changed how his personal training has adjusted throughout, and how his life as a dad, he's been a dad now for 10 months to a baby boy, has changed him and how he's made that adjustment to being a father while also keeping up with his work. Uh, Dustin is a really smart guy. If you go out and check his Instagram, you can just tell by his video rants and his stories and his questions that he answers, he knows his stuff. And I knew that because he speaks and puts things so eloquently that this podcast would just flow right along. And that's what it did. Our conversation lasted about 45 minutes and we got into everything from fitness to personal health to how fitness instructors collab and or clash with influencers in the fitness space and how they can coexist. Um, I had a lot of fun with this podcast, and I hope you guys have just as much fun listening to it as Dustin and I had recording it. Guys, this is episode seven of the Potentiation Podcast with Dustin LaBelle. Enjoy. Welcome to episode seven of the Potentiation Podcast. I'm your host, friend Kalinsky, and today I have a guest with me by the name of Dustin LaBelle. Uh, LaBelle? Liebel? Let's LaBelle. Yeah, you got that. LaBelle. Okay, great. Dustin LaBelle, uh, a, f- a friend of mine, uh, strictly via social media, who ha- we've been in contact uh, through a mutual friend, uh, one of my previous guests, Kyle Dobbs, who given us both the tools, obviously, and I think Dustin maybe has had the tools longer than I've had, but has given us both the tools to be even more successful in our personal training business. I personally borrow a lot of stuff from Dustin's page. Uh, if you're interested in checking uh, his stuff out on Instagram, he's at on Instagram at his name, Dustin LaBelle. Uh, He'll give you more info on that as we kind of start to wrap up the podcast. But why I have Dustin on today is to talk a little bit about fitness, more specifically about his business and fitness and how he conducts it. Uh, I have a particular admiration for the way he's done it, uh, both pre and during COVID, uh, in the sense that he's mostly remote. He does it all uh, through a screen or mostly through a screen. And uh, it, it seems like to me, you know, having only been in the industry for about two and a half years, guys like him and David Gray are, are guys to go to when you want to talk about working with people in a remote setting, being able to coach people in a remote setting, which, you know, having adjusted to it over the past couple of months is, is, is to me is pretty difficult. But for guys like Dustin, it's pretty easy. But uh, Dustin, I'll let you finish your own intro. I think I maybe talked a little bit more than I should have, but tell us who you are, uh, what you do, and uh, what makes you tick. Yeah, man. Uh, my name is Dustin LaBelle, and I have been working in the fitness industry for going on about 15 years now. 
Um, yeah, I've been working online for about three years uh, at this point in time. But prior to that, I was in a facility for just over 12, almost 13 years, uh, working one-on-one, -on -one, uh, working in a small group setting, running a small group facility. Uh, I did sales. I kind of have had every job in the fitness industry over that period of time and always knew that I wanted to uh, run my own business and work from home specifically. So I made that leap, uh, like I said, a couple of years ago and you know, haven't looked back since. Nice. What is it that um, gave you the confidence to, to take the leap at, what was it, three years ago? Because being in the in-person space for as long as you were, I think it's easy for a lot of trainers to say, oh, well, you know, I'm comfortable here and, you know, maybe you weren't commuting too far from your house. So what, what was it, was there a specific moment in time where you decided like, now's the time, I'm going to do it, I'm just going to go fully remote and, and work from home. Did you have that moment or was it just spur of the moment? Uh, so leading up to that point, I had begun to build almost like a hybrid model within the facility that I was working out of. So I was coaching small groups and within that, I was starting to kind of take on uh, individual clients, but who would work uh, individually. Like, so they would work on their own. They would work okay. in like almost in a remote type setting. So I would be in the facility often, either coaching groups or working with one-on-one -on -one clients. And then I had these hosts of clients who were following workouts that they were getting delivered through True Coach on their own. Okay. So I was building up this clientele up to this point in time, um, getting to the point where I was comfortable uh, financially to be able to make that leap yep. because I, you know, you're not sure how many people are going to kind of jump ship with you. For sure. Um, but yeah. I, I tried to be smart and, you know, I made my clients an offer they almost couldn't refuse sort of deal, uh, nice. so to speak, and uh, made the decision like within a matter of a couple of, like it was like one winter day where I was like, you know what, I'm done. I uh, gave my notice and made you know started uh, making moves to make that happen as seamlessly as possible and uh, have been you know hanging on ever since and finding new ways to continue to grow and you know uh, a lot of lessons learned over the last couple of years and I yep. don't foresee that changing uh, moving forward right now being in the industry as long as you have whether it's remote or in person you know you said 15 years that's a lot of time and we talked about this uh in our in our mentorship process and and just just how you continue to grow as a trainer um if, if somebody were to if somebody were to scroll across your instagram and look at you know maybe your first nine or 12 posts uh and this is my personal opinion so listeners take it for what you will but I would say most people would be like, this guy really knows what he's talking about. You know, he knows his stuff and he can explain it well. Like that's what I think makes people want to train with you. But what, how do you keep searching for knowledge and how do you keep learning 15 years in, right? Because that's a long time to do something consistently. How do you stay curious, I guess, is the question. Uh, I actually like the word that you do, you know, the word you just used, uh, curious or curiosity. And in my case, that's, that's it. I just, I was thinking about this the other day. I just love this stuff, man. Like, yeah. there's nothing more exciting to me than, you know, finding a new wrinkle that I can kind of uncover and, you know, or you discover somebody who maybe, uh, maybe you heard of, you know, in years past, but just now you're starting to really resonate with what they're saying and, and just kind of 
constantly recycling some of this stuff and, and you know sometimes it's going back and relearning uh, something that now maybe you're able to apply more directly to your practice for sure other times it is learning brand new information um, you know obviously there has to be some type of filter for that information and it does get difficult because you can easily or at least for me I get excited about things right you learn something you're like oh man this is awesome and you want kind of the world to know and you know Instagram kind of allows you or social media in general allows you to uh, put that message out there but yep um, yeah for me it's, it's not hard uh, I just I really enjoy that the learning process uh, and I enjoy taking that uh, information and then learning how to apply it to uh, either my clients uh, or myself you know nice now where do you get a lot of your information because I think the typical answer that a lot of coaches will give is that and this is not wrong either but a lot of coaches will be like oh I learned something new every other week with one of my clients who I've been seeing for a while and you know these new things kind of always come up but do you have a, a book or do you have a, a resource center online that you kind of turn to maybe maybe it's not new stuff that you're looking for there but maybe it's stuff that you always go to to uh, remind yourself of, of certain uh, things that you've uh, like certain knowledge that you've accumulated over the years do you have like two or three resources that you kind of fall always fall back on when you know things start to maybe get a little blurry yeah you know, like you said I, I do use my clients as an opportunity to uncover problems you know what I mean so oftentimes those will come up and if, if you're paying attention you know and if you're really listening I'm using Radiators here because uh, it's often through, uh, you know, true coach or email. Yeah. But if you're listening to their questions or what's troubling them, then that allows me to be like, okay, what am I currently missing, and what, what whole, what, or who can who can kind of fill those gaps? You know what I mean? And, right. and in terms of actual resources, like who do I look to? Um, you know, you mentioned one of our mentors that we both have worked with early on, somebody like Kyle Dobbs. Yep. Uh, has been very influential the last few years and not only reframing how I think about problems within the industry, but, you know, in terms of how I go about with the uh, continuing education process. Yeah. Um, and then from him, I mean, you know, we're, it's, we kind of fall into the same circle, right? Uh, so it's made, it's, it's utilizing the people that are, that's actually in uh, our little community that we have, um, yeah. because I think we have some really great resources. For sure. Uh, and then as you branch out further, Obviously, a guy like Dr. Pat Davidson has been uh, very influential. And then, you know, the mentors and resources that these guys have talked about for the last, you know, I still go back to, you know, somebody like Charlie Francis, you know, I, uh, or somebody who very, speaks from a very broad spectrum point of view, somebody like Dan John, yep. you know, who, yeah, he might be maybe a little old school, you know, <laughs> some people might say, but... The, the lessons go far deeper than just the programming on paper. You right. Know? And I, I um, off the top of my head, yeah, it's very, it's tough to pinpoint just a few people, but. I'm sure, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, in terms of like what I'm reading now kind of deal, like I'm rereading The Science of Running from Steve Magnus. Yep. I mean, Steve Magnus is one of the best minds uh, in the industry uh, overall, whether you're an endurance athlete, coach, or not. Um, and I think his his methodology and his principles are, I mean, I've, I read The Science of Running five, you know, five or six years ago. I read it five or six years ago. 
uh, and now I'm going back through it again and just kind of reiterating some of the things that he said and, and taking the time to meld that into my current model and how I think about problems. Right, right. When you speak about fitness, you particularly, I, I, that curiosity that we talked about, like it, it's ever present. Like it, it sounds like it's always been there. So let's rewind a little bit and tell us when you decided that fitness was the career for you, uh, you know, going back to your first experience, um, assuming maybe you were an athlete growing up, was, was there a time where uh, maybe, you know, I think uh, uh, James Serby talks about this a lot, where like the sports dream fizzled out, but you still decided you wanted to be active in some way, and then training kind of came into the picture. When, when was that, or, or what was the, the, the catalyst for you that, that inspired fitness as a career? This is going way back, but I, I uh, originally started doing some form of like physical training at like 11 years old because I thought that would help me get in shape for baseball. Okay. I love baseball. Yeah. You know, so I was, but I love like once I discovered that, and I started with like running and push ups and sit ups and that kind of thing. But once I discovered that, I immediately was like, this is my jam. I love this, and I started learning everything I could way back then, you know, so as a teenager, like I, I threw shot put in discus, but again, I'm five foot eight, like 170 pounds. I'm yeah. not exactly built for the, you know, so I evolved kind of through that point, but always loved training. I did martial arts for about 10 years. Uh, did a little bit of competing. Um, when I considered myself a competitor by any means, like in terms, when you think of someone who's a natural competitor, but I loved the process leading up to that. I loved learning more about that process and that's always been something inside of me. And yeah. I knew early on that I never wanted a quote unquote regular job. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just incredibly stubborn and I've, I've always had it in my head like since that young age that this is what I was going to do in some form or another. Uh, so when I had the opportunity to start working at a gym I was 19 years old, I want to say, and at that time, the reason why I started working at that gym, why I got that opportunity, was the uh, my coach, my martial arts instructor at that time, he was transitioning locations, so he, at that point in time, the, the gym that I got the job at, they offered him space to run his his uh, uh, training on. Oh, wow. And I was, I was training twice a day, like I was, a, I was obsessed at this point in time, and I was like, you know what, if I could just work at the place that I train, like that'll make life so much easier. Right. right. Started at the front desk and then quickly transitioned uh, into personal training. And, you know, from there, it's just been yeah. an ongoing uh, exploration of, of that whole that whole deal. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it says a lot about you that, you know, you stuck to it. I, th I love that you use the word stubborn because that's something that I think when it comes to really carving out your, your space, your way, you kind of need to be at, at a certain degree. I think a lot of people, when, when it comes to their career path, will sometimes take the easy way out, but, but that's good that you stuck with it and you didn't, you didn't decide that, oh, you know, maybe this isn't gonna work. There was, it didn't, doesn't seem like there was ever any, any doubt there in that. Um, so that's awesome, but, but let's re, let, uh, not rewind, let's fast forward back to the present day, like very, very present, like right now today, and talk about um, how your online business works in the sense of not just how you coordinate it, but, but in the sense that, you know, 
to be very frankly honest, we're all in a friendly competition with each other. Like we all, in a sense, you know, we, you talk about our tribe that we built in compound performance and how we all share resources for information. But there is, you know, this, this sect of fitness Instagram. And I think you, you might know where I'm going with this, that, that doesn't really spread the right information. And, you know, whether we're talking about influencers, quote unquote influencers, or people who, who, might just be have great genetics and they start a fitness page and you know they they kind of sort of know what they're talking about but it's very broad strokes so my question for you is are, are you concerned about this part of instagram as opposed to the part that 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 we kind of live in where we're more informational and more explanatory and uh less vague um well sometimes we're vague because a lot of the times that you know i think the answer we talk about this is for good coaches is can I do this or can I do that? And we always say it depends. Whereas like, you know, the, the, the answer for a lot of uh, those, those influencer accounts is sure you can do this and sure you can do that. Are you worried about the portion of Instagram that tends to spread the wrong information? Do you worry that they might overpower trainers like us who give real information? Uh, you know, my answer might surprise you. No, I'm not worried at all because I think there's something we can even learn from those people yep. uh, in the sense that they are willing to put themselves out there, yep. often undeservingly so. Um, and yeah, that's where the kind of argument comes up. Like, you know, you shake your head, you roll your eyes, you bitch about it to your, you know, your fellow uh, coaches who are in the know. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how helpful all of that stuff is. Right, right. So to combat that, at least what I try and do is practice finding my own voice yep practice putting out information that is uh hopefully digestible um and resonates with more people than not right so you know i can get i can get upset that somebody has x amount of followers and and you know this uh amount of recognition or maybe they're making however much money but right um at the end of the day uh i consider kind of what i do and I, what we do as a whole um as a craft i'm constantly trying to refine that craft and getting mad just doesn't help and and yeah it's bunk and yeah it's bullshit and we can kind of behind closed doors talk about it and laugh about it and make fun of those people yeah but uh the reality is you know, I try to just stay in my lane and stay focused on what I do. Yep. And I don't have any kind of short-term expectation for myself as a coach or a business. I'm, uh, the way I see it, this, I have unlimited time to um, continue to grow, get yeah. better yeah. at what I do. And, and I want to grow in all facets. I don't want to just be the coach who knows a lot, but um, can't communicate well and vice versa. I don't want to just be somebody who writes content but can't coach his way out of a paperback. Right. It's kind of those blend, you know, that blend of those things that I think will ultimately allow you to uh, feel good about your work um, and, you know, make however much money you want to make, coach right. all the people you want to coach, all the things that we define or might define as success. So, yeah. Yeah. no, I'm not worried. Um, those people are going to do what they do. There's plenty of pie for everybody in my mind. For sure. Uh, so I don't, I don't even view it as a competition. Yeah, you know what, Dustin? I'm actually really not surprised by your answer. That's actually kind of why I asked the question because I feel the same way. I feel like 
you know, for every account that may post some frustrating things that it's like, whoa, 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 slow down there. Um, I've seen, for every one of those accounts, I feel like I've seen two or three, especially among our, you know, quote unquote tribe, uh, that posts just awesome stuff. And I, you know, I haven't been in the fitness industry two years now. Um, if you were to ask me when I got into this thing, if I could find coaches like, like the ones I see, you know, I'm, I'm thinking just off the top of my head, like Katie Sinclair, um, uh, Matt Domney even is, has been super informational lately. Whereas, you know, he used to be just, just meathead stuff. And now he's actually really explaining stuff as part of compound performance performance. I am so impressed and I am so optimistic about the future of fitness with people like that in the social media space because um, I, I got to admit, I am I can be one of those people that you described where uh, I do get frustrated and there's times where I go on a, a rant on my story and maybe I'm not necessarily communicating my thoughts the way I should be. Because, uh, you know, my, my, sometimes my first instinct is I just got to debunk this myth. I got to get this out of, out of the way and make sure nobody else thinks that that's the way to, I don't know, burn fat, right? And, you know, a lot of trainers will, will respond to this story like, thanks for posting this. This is awesome. Great. But I, I kind of have been reflecting on this over the past week and I, I, I realized that I'm not getting the same responses from like my audience, like people who could be potential clients who are like, oh, thanks for this, like that really helps, or like, oh, I didn't know this, like, you know, that's, I think, what I uh, am trying to, to say here is that, uh, like you just said, we can do uh, worlds better of explaining things without, you know, bashing the other people, without without saying this is wrong versus this is right, so, um, so I love that answer, and it's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you for putting it so eloquently. Um, so let's talk about, you know, obviously, you know, the, the hot seat topic is quarantine and that everybody is working out at home and that gyms have been closed indefinitely and then reopened and then closed again. And uh, some people are struggling to get weights at their houses. Um, what has your personal quarantine fitness experience been like? Uh, I, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I've actually stolen a couple workouts from you, uh, cardio-based, whether it's just like the running, marching, or the tote, uh, the... Um, the static jumps with the toe taps. I love those, by the way, as like a little cardio circuit. Uh, ha- has that continued for you? How, how, how has your personal fitness um, evolved, if at all, during quarantine? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, early on when uh, that whole thing kind of went down, um, you know, I was, like a lot of people, I was finding myself just kind of not at a loss per se, yeah. uh, but more of just rethinking like, okay, we're we're here. This right. is the situation for the next couple of months. Yep. Uh, and if I want to mess around, uh, for lack of a better term, like now's the time to kind of do it. So yeah. I explored a bunch of different things. I tried things that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, training was actually very uh, consistent in terms of like day to day doing something, but very sporadic in terms of there wasn't any kind of built-in progression. I just had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I got to try a bunch of different things. That. You know, three or four months in, it lost its luster, you know, to the point where it's like, okay, I, I need some kind of structure to what I'm doing. And, and I've been following uh, a structure since that point, which was probably around June where I was like, okay, enough is enough. Yep. Um, let's get to the point where I'm 
able to see progress on a week-to-week basis. Feeling sore again a little bit. Yeah, and practicing kind of what I talk about, you know. So I have farmed for a little bit. Um, Other than that, really nothing has changed for me other than, you know, I recently, uh, back in July or so, I took up running again. Okay. Uh, Running is something I've done on and off throughout my time training, Uh, and I've been enjoying that since. Um, Nice. So I've been lifting a little bit less and doing less total strength work. Uh, probably far less than I've ever done, um, and really just enjoying it. So I, I do some type of strength work twice a week, and then spend um, at least a few hours a week uh, on the road uh, running. Nice. So nothing. Yeah, nothing's really changed for me. I, I still find ways to enjoy it. I'm not somebody who needs like a competition or you know needs some sort of like validation to just get out the door yeah um so yeah nothing's nothing's been too too different from my usual routine if you will so you talk about hitting that i guess the figurative wall at in june where you're like all right i need to switch it up i need to change things did your clients feel that same feeling because i actually struggled with this to a point where i was like you know certain clients were were not using much weight at all sometimes the workouts were 100 percent body weight um, how did you, I think it's easy for you as a trainer to pivot and say, here's what I need to change and here's how I need to manage my own expectations. But did you have any issues with clients who were like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't like this. How can we change it up? And how did you, were you able to communicate that? Like, how did that process go if it happened? Um, I'm not going to lie here, man. It was tough yeah. because I was, <laughs> I personally was in a very good rhythm up until that day where yeah. we're, yeah, you know the NBA canceled their game. Like, yeah, was feeling good about things, and that day and the next couple of days after that, things just kind of, you know, were flipped on their head. For sure. Um, some clients were easy to transition. You know, it kind of you, you talk about what we're going to be doing moving forward. Yep. They kind of understood that, or they, you know, they had some equipment available and were able to make it work. And there was definitely, I think, a transition for everyone, myself included. We were like, you had to accept the situation and. Yep. and kind of make do with what you had. Um, you know, I, I lost clients because, uh, it's, you know, people are paying a certain amount of money every month to work with you, and it's sometimes under the assumption that they're they're getting one thing from you, and if you're not able to provide that one thing, yeah, it doesn't matter if you say that it's X, Y, and Z beneficial for this or that reason, they weren't, they weren't buying it. And right. those, those clients will come back, already have come back, um, in the meantime, since some gyms have reopened, depending on where they are in the country, or they were able to get some uh, some type of equipment, but you know, the, the big thing was just communicating uh, with people up front. You know, I think at first I was a little frazzled, and I probably did a lot more entertaining entertainment programming, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. For like, you know, it is what it is. Like people, I needed people needed to still feel like they were working hard and busting their ass. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, you, you needed to kind of make uh, some adjustments that I maybe want to do otherwise, but this was a different time, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures sometimes. Yeah. Uh, since then, things have kind of gotten back to semi-normal, um, 
and you know things are definitely smoothing out. But it was a tough couple of months. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not sure how many people will be upfront and ask about that. But yeah. yeah, no, I definitely appreciate you being candid on that matter because uh, you're the first trainer that I've actually talked quarantine programming with, and I'm so glad that you're the first one because. Uh, I feel the exact same way. I feel like there were there were days where I was like, oh my gosh, if I was in a gym, I would never be given this type of superset, this type of exercise ever. Like I, never in my life would I consider it. But now it's just one of those times where, uh, yeah, you do have to kind of go digging in the bag of tricks and, and just pull something out. And, and that was, I think, a, a challenge for a lot of trainers who, unlike us, might not want to admit it, but, but was... The, the harsh reality. So so I definitely think that 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 goes a long way, right? Being being able to admit it and understand that it's like okay, I'm not my best self right now as a trainer, but the world right now is is not the world. So so we need to adjust a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about let's let's transition here from from uh, training to more personal life stuff. About ten months ago, you had a huge shock in your life, uh, probably for the better. I'm guessing for the better. He's asleep right now, but tell us about how the birth of your son has uh, affected your career, if at all. Uh, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But but what does it? What does your um, training life, both with clients and with yourself, look like now with the little guy? Yeah. So uh, hopefully it wasn't that much of a surprise. It was a nine month lead up uh, yeah. <laughs> to that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, first of all, it's the greatest experience that uh, you know. It, that I've ever had in my entire life and these 10 months have, you know, A, have flown by. Yeah. It's gone by incredibly fast. I mean, quarantine didn't really help in that whole situation. But, For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been really great and, you know, not too much has changed. I mean, other than I've learned to uh, be punctual with when I start and end my work or at least uh, you know, if, if he's napping, for example, I need to make the, the most of my time. So, yeah. yeah, I need to make the most of my time that I have available. For sure. Uh, get work done. There's not a lot of farting around. Yeah. If I want to run, if I want to run or lift or whatever in the morning, I have to wake up, the, you know, early to make that happen. Yep. Which means my evening routine needs to be consistent, you know, and it's just, if anything, it's increased my overall consistency with lifestyle. Than, than anything else yeah um, yeah I've had to adapt a little bit those first couple of months are, are rough you know you're you're up uh, at two to three in the morning usually you yeah. know as he's feeding and then you're up early again and you know so that was a, a transition but yep. once he reached that three month that three month old time period like he started sleeping consistently and you know we're very fortunate that he does. He nice. does sleep consistently. Nice. He naps can like I, you know, his naps are consistent. So I'm able to schedule things like this, or I would be programming or talking with clients at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's you know the biggest change is that and understanding that obviously I'm not the you know the only person <laughs> in the world at this point, or me and my wife are not the only people. Like there's now this little human that depends on us. Yep. Um, and you just have to be adaptable. Things are gonna happen. Uh, that you didn't expect, uh, and you just kind of have to go with the flow. And training is no longer number one; it's pushed back. That's all. For sure, yeah, that's great too. That you know you're you're able to find that work life balance because at some to some degree that is that is work that you got to keep up with. And and hey, I mean, I think a lot of 
people would love to be in the position that you're in, in the sense that not only are they a, a relatively new parent, but life, like you said, has not changed that much. I think I think that if there was any if there was ever an answer in this podcast that surprised me, it was that. So uh, it's good to hear that you have your time management down to a T. I can only hope that when I become a parent, I can say the exact same thing ten months in. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, just where you kind of see things going from here. I feel like every every just in general with with training, um, I think every trainer is a little bit iffy on you know maybe if they work for a bigger gym, should they leave and just you know change their career style? Do you see things drastically changing over the next couple of years for you, even when gyms open back up, or do you feel like uh, you're on this path and it's going to stay this way or are, are there any bigger things in store that you have in mind that you can afford to reveal on this podcast? Um, yeah, I, I don't have any grand plans other than to continue to get better at my, at my craft, get better at coaching Yeah. to acquire, you know, I have, you know, I work with people both on a one-on-one basis and I have a group program also available online, you know, so my really, my goal is to just continue to grow those two things. Um, continue to write, continue to put out content, whether that's in the form of writing video or maybe eventually a podcast of some sort. Nice. Um, other than that, like I'm not, if, like I, I, I like what I'm doing right now and I just want to continue down that path. I don't want to set anything in stone because I know life can change in an instant. Right. And I want to be open to those opportunities no matter what they are. So yeah, I mean, it's just, just continuing doing what I'm doing yep. uh, and hopefully just be better at it one year from today. Yeah, yeah. We were chatting a little bit before the podcast started actually about, uh, to take it back to uh, the past couple of months about taking a break from social media and, and, and you just recently took one and um, I, I've been thinking about doing the same just because I feel like I need a little bit of a detachment. During that break you took, um, and you talked about this on your on your uh, IGTV as well, uh, you had had like a, a health scare. You called it the health scare that wasn't, uh, and I had a similar health scare that also wasn't, which I thought was super peculiar. Um, for the listeners, take us through what that was, summarize it, um, and, and and tell us you know your your mindset through it all from the beginning all the way to the end because I feel like uh, it's very valuable not just to talk about that experience the way you did on uh, your Instagram but uh, for the listeners I feel like every one of us has like this little uh, fear panic going on right now that you know you need somebody whether it's a doctor or just a health professional to tell you what was going on so so run us through that little health scare that wasn't if you will yeah sure so as I uh, said earlier, I started running uh, in July. Yeah, was you know being careful to steadily increase my my mileage, and I was you know mostly easy slow miles, nothing crazy. Yep. But a couple of weeks in, I started having this feeling of shortness of breath or air hunger is probably a better word. Yeah. Uh, dyspnea is the technical term. Okay. Um, where it, the feeling was, I just couldn't get a deep breath to like catch. You know, I guess the term I would use. Yep. And it would happen during runs. It would happen after runs. It would happen just kind of sitting around watching TV or, you know, eating dinner. Yeah. And it got to the point where it was like, 
almost like every other breath I had to like brace almost and like take that deep inhale to like yeah. get that satisfying deep breath you know that feeling yeah and it was just continu- it was just continuing to go on and it, you know even one day my wife was like you okay like, <laughs> yeah doing this thing yeah uh and that led to like uh you know you start googling like the symptoms and WebMD scaring the hell oh, out of you. Oh yeah. man, what a terrible mistake! Because yeah. if you look, if you look up shortness of breath or dyspnea or air hunger, the first things that start to pop up are you could have a serious health condition, you yeah. know, whether your heart, your lungs, your vascular system, right? Whatever the case might be. And around this same time, and this is still something that's ongoing. Yeah. Uh, there's a runner uh, who's very well known in the run community. His name is Tommy Pusey. Tommy Braves Pusey, and yeah. he was experiencing some like odd symptoms, not the ones that I was. Yep. But he, it, he went to go get it checked out, and he, he has a very aggressive form of lung cancer. Yeah. Uh, and things are looking, uh, you know, kind of rough for him right now. Yeah. And so that was kind of like in the back of my mind. He's my age. He's got kids. Like it was, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 35 in about a month or so. Right. And you know, these things start running through your your head a little bit. Yep. Uh, so. Things got a little bit worse over time, and uh, a couple of weekends ago, I was going with uh, my wife and my kid and some friends up to Vermont. We were just going to kind of like hang out for the weekend, and uh, and that was fine. But then that Sunday, we got back, and I just wasn't feeling right. The, the breathing thing was like worse, and that could have just been from like lack of sleep, you know, maybe uh, one or two extra beers than I normally would have, that kind of thing. Yep. So that Monday. They told my wife that like you know what I'm gonna check myself into the walk-in clinic and let's just get everything let's yep. get everything looked at. Yep. Uh, and that kind of escalated my anxiety level from like moderate to like, all right, I'm doing this. We're gonna find out if something's wrong. And I don't consider an anxious person, but yeah, I think when talking about my health, it is something that probably like and I think a lot of health professionals would probably admit that if you start thinking about those things, that probably tends to spin you out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, went to the walk-in, and at the walk-in, they run an EKG. My EKG came back as abnormal. So, you know, the, the, the doctor there, she goes, you know, I have a normal, abnormal EKG. It's probably nothing, but let's get it checked out anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, that led to the, you know, seeing the cardiologist and then setting up a series of appointments. Because when, when I went to the cardiologist, he basically, it was almost like baffled, like, why are you here? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, you're 34 years old. You tell me your activity level is this, this, and that. You have a healthy BMI. I don't see any issues. You ran a, you ran an EKG again, and that came back normal. He's like, I don't see any, any issues here. Um, but again, let's get everything checked out. So yeah, yep. scheduled for an X-ray, chest X-ray, uh, uh, an echocardiogram, a stress test, and went through that whole process over the course of about two weeks. Everything checked out, came back totally fine yeah um, still have a follow-up with him uh in a few weeks but yeah it was a uh, hectic couple of a uh, couple of weeks there because it just it's something that kind of came out of the blue yeah uh, and it just has you thinking about you know like what are you doing uh right now that you know either might not be beneficial moving forward or you know could prevent you from you know, living the best version of your life in the next, not just a year, but we're talking, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Right, right. You're on that long. Yeah, I, I really love the the 
how you kind of uh, kept all the psychological components of your your phases, whereas like kind of worried to to all right, a little bit stressed out, and then finally getting that confirmation from a health official, which uh, was very similar to what happened to me. Uh, for listeners who don't know, I had a, a similar situation to Dustin's where uh, I just kept feeling like a little bit of tightness in my chest and um, showed up at the doctor, and he was like, you're the healthiest 26-year-old I've ever seen. What's wrong? And, you know, I, I think it's so important to not, you know, not only to not, you know, go down the Google rabbit hole, but to just not think not also not also think that you're perfectly okay either and, and definitely don't just shrug it off right like part of my situation when i thought of it was i felt it in my chest and uh you know i assumed the worst just having not googled anything and then for a split second i thought to myself i don't know if you've uh, uh listened to any david goggins at all but i thought oh if it's a hole in my heart I'm, i'll just be like david goggins and i'll just live with it and uh, I think it, that was, you know, that lasted for a little bit, but in, in the back of my mind, there was still that, like, yeah, I should, I should probably do something about this. So, um, so I think it says a lot about, you know, your your willingness to not get too down, but also not get too high up about it, and and you know, get that confirmation. And and I think, you know, in a time where there's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, public health in general, uh, you know, your like you said, your regular walk-in clinic is 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 can be super helpful, especially in scenarios like that. Um, as we kind of start to wrap up here, uh, I want to discuss a little bit what, um, if if there's any, because it sounds like you know you're doing great with the remote business, but are there are there challenges to a certain degree? And I'm asking this more so as 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 a way to kind of pick your brain because I've had a couple issues over the couple months of of getting clients to be adherent to programs and and you know maybe assigning homework and knowing that they're doing it obviously it's way harder to to know who's doing what i mean you, you know you have apps like true coach where people can track stuff but uh, it, it can be hard for uh trainers to know what their clients are doing when they're not in a session with their clients uh do you have a, a way to get clients to um, adhere to their homework and, and be consistent when they're not seeing you uh, because I feel like that's been the biggest obstacle for me personally is just um, you know somebody will show up to a session and be like hey so I didn't get to do any of what I planned to do over the weekend because you know this that and the third and, and you know COVID is the classic excuse I was stuck in the house all, way, all day but do you have a, a, a way maybe psychologically or maybe like motivationally that you get clients to uh, be more motivated, I guess motivated might be not, not be the right word, but be more encouraged to do the homework you assign or whatever it is that you want them to do, whether it's just walking, eating right. Um, how do you go about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, first of all, I've made tons of mistakes and continue to make mistakes and you just try to learn from those uh, as it. you go. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, if you're not admitting that you're making mistakes, then you're definitely making mistakes. <laughs> Amen. Know? Yeah. Um, so in terms of adherence, you know, I, I think, and I talked a little bit about this. Somebody asked me a similar question in one of my stories yesterday. Yep. You, you have to find what kind of makes that individual tick, yep. which in an online setting is challenging because you're doing your communication uh, or most of it in writing, right. uh, or right. you're, you know, you may get on the phone or you may get on a zoom call. Um, and you kind of have to take the time 
to pay attention to what that person is actually saying. Because yeah. often what they say on the surface level is not what they actually mean. You know, your actions will generally demonstrate, you know, what you actually uh, care about, right? For sure. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned is less is more. And I know that's a little cliche, but generally I think as coaches, and I have definitely made this mistake and probably do it, you know, every now and again, but we want to throw the kitchen sink at people. We want them to be like us, yeah. you know, and Kyle, Kyle Dobbs has said this, like we are aliens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody has to tell me to wake up at 5.15 in the morning to get out and run. That's just habit, right? It's just habit. I enjoy it. I get it. I'm a weirdo. I'm reading the science of running at night. Like, it, it, like every part of our being is different than a lot of the clients that we work with. Now, there are going to be those clients who either are fellow coaches, who I work uh, with quite a few, uh, or they are as kind of data-driven as we might be. Yep. But you have to understand, and not you necessarily, but people have to understand that um, people are often starting at a much lower baseline. For sure. And yep. they just need the slightest bit of encouragement to continue to do the things that you want them to do. And it might take it might take several months, it might take several years, I think, to get to the point where you want that person to be. Right. And whether that's with a, you know, a training prescription, a nutrition prescription, whatever the case might be, or any kind of recovery type practice, uh, find out what that person is willing to do. Yeah. And that, that can just be through a simple conversation um, and make it seem as frictionless as possible. So I want to eliminate friction when I'm working with people. I want it to make, I want to make their habit changes to be as easy uh, as I can possibly make them to the point where like, I want them to respond or report back to me. Like that was really easy. I'm glad I was able to, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm glad I was able to actually follow through and commit to that particular task. What's yep. next? Yep. So if a person is not necessarily giving me that type of feedback, then it, I need to go back and reevaluate how I'm delivering the message, what I'm actually telling that person to do, because yeah, in, in my head, it might make sense right now, and we know that's the best practice possible, yeah. but I just need to get them from A to B, you know, and, and Z is so far away, we're not even worried about that. Right, know? right. Yeah, uh, such a good bit there on just staying focused on, you know, the little things one piece at a time, it, it, it says a lot for your client if they can accomplish one small thing and and the more the more uh positive reinforcement they can get from accomplishing that one small thing i think that's the building blocks or those are the building blocks to a successful uh training relationship right and even more important you know for for listeners out there who may think that there's a fast track to fitness you know your 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 comment about several years to to reinforce that mindset i think it cannot be overstated. Like that's just such an important thing when when you, uh, as a client, if you first embark on training, you need to know that you know you're not going to drastically change a lot of things. You know, maybe you might, but maybe you might not train change everything you want over the course of even one year. Like it might take a few. So, so I really like that. I think that's that's super important. Um, Dustin, it's been an absolute pleasure. That covers just about everything. Um, Remind the listeners again where they can find you, whether they're interested in, in training with you or just, just checking out what you have to say on Instagram. Uh, let the listeners know uh, where they can find you. 
Yeah, man. Thank you for having me, first of all. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Dustin LaBelle, L-E-B-E-L. That's how you spell my last name. Yep. It's all one word. Uh, my website is mytrainingplan.net. Um, and you can find out about more about my coaching uh, options there. Yeah. For anybody who's interested, this guy knows his stuff. Take it from me. I, uh, I tend to quote-unquote steal a lot of his things. Dustin, thanks again, man. I really appreciate you hopping on. This has been Episode 7 of the Potentiation Podcast. Thank you for listening.